Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The reading is taken from Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. And this can be found on page 1003 of the Church Bibles. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's lovely to see you all this evening. Do keep your Bibles open there at Mark chapter 2. It's going to help you to follow along. Um, As Nathaniel said, my name is Justin. I'm the minister for students here at Christchurch Forward. Um, And let me just take the opportunity to thank you if you were praying for us on our weekend away. Um, We had a great time, um, and it was particularly a privilege for me to be speaking on the cross and resurrection of Christ. Um, So I do thank you for your prayers. They were much appreciated. Well, this evening, we're coming back to Mark's gospel after about a four-month break or so. Um, But don't worry, because the verses that we're looking at this evening are really a summary of what Mark has been saying so far in his gospel. And so we'll be looking back a little bit, too. Um, But as we come to God's word now, um, we all need to hear what our Lord is saying to us, and we need him to help us understand it and take it to heart. So let's come to our Father in prayer now and ask him to help us. Let's close our eyes and pray. Isaiah 40, verse 1 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Her sin has been paid for. Father, thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that although he is your divine Son, He came to bring comfort through the forgiveness of sins. Father, please will you help us by your Holy Spirit to see our deep need of your Son so that we would have the joy of knowing his grace and forgiveness. And we ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen. Well, have you ever found yourself re-evaluating why you're in a particular situation and why you are where you are? I had an experience of this recently. I had to reevaluate why I was somewhere. I was with one of my daughters, and we burst through the doors into a birthday party, and in almost unison, we stopped, and we had a double take. Because everyone around us, well, not everyone, but the, the little kids around us were in princess dresses, except for her. And so the question started running through our mind. Were they in the wrong place? Were we in the wrong place? Well, no, we weren't. 
And no, they weren't. Our confusion was caused by the fact that um, we had misunderstood the kind of party that we were going to. Or rather, her dad just forgot to read the invite. <laughs> well, as you sit here, you might be wondering to yourself if you're in the right place this evening. Maybe you've come through the doors and you, you're questioning, have I actually come to the right place? Should I really be here tonight? Maybe as you step through the doors, you are wondering to yourself, what does Jesus have to do with me? Or what do I have to do with him? Would he even want me here? Well, you can be assured this evening that you are here because Christ has brought you here. And it's his plan for you to be here this evening. In our passage this evening, you can imagine the Pharisees um, in verse Verse 15 to 17, they walk into a party scene. And they ask the disciples in verse 16, why does he, that is Jesus, eat with tax collectors and sinners? They do a double take, as it were. They stop almost in unison, and they ask each other, what is going on here? Those who were there, and therefore Jesus himself, was under their assessment. Perhaps you're here this evening and you're not a Christian. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Um, Because the kinds of people who say that they are Christians, well, they're people who are not sorted. They are people who appear to be struggling in some way. They maybe don't have it all together, and that's partly why you've decided not to be a Christian. It's possible, if you're thinking those things, that Jesus is under your assessment too. If we're honest with ourselves, though, we find that the Pharisees are just voicing what we're all thinking. As we read this passage, did you not find yourself asking yourself or saying to yourself, what? Wait, Jesus where? With who? This is exactly the question we're meant to be asking ourselves at this point in Mark's gospel. And that's because of what Mark has told us, or rather what Jesus himself has told us about who he is so far in this gospel. Have a look, um, turn back in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 15, and have a look there what it says. Verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And verse 15, Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Jesus' message from verse 1 to verse 15 has been that he is the expected king of Israel. He is the king who would bring in God's kingdom. And he has come because he, God himself, has come to do this. In verse 17 of our chapter this evening, Jesus tells us why he came. As a summary of what he said before. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, it was because the Pharisees had misunderstood who Jesus is and why he came that they wrongly assessed him. And in the end, they, and perhaps even ourselves, will find that we are under his assessment. Jesus has come for those who are sin-sick, Precisely because of who he is, not in spite of it. He he has come for those who need him. 
Well, we'll be looking at two points this evening. Our first point, Jesus calls the sin sick to follow him. Jesus calls the sin sick to follow him. And really looking at verse 13 to 14. In verse 13 to 14, Jesus calls Levi to follow him and he says, follow me. And then we read that Levi got up and followed him. Levi was a tax collector. He was an Israelite. He had his own business of collecting taxes, um, which would have been similar to a toll or a, a customs tax or a duty tax. And he would have collected these taxes for the Roman Empire. Tax collectors, they, they, sorry, they perpetuated institutionalized ex extortion. And they did this to their own people. They did it to make a profit. They were fraudsters. They were abusive. They were bullies. They were social outcasts. And in verse 15, we read that many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now, some translations put that word sinners in inverted commas. These people are sinners. They're obviously so. You can imagine the kinds of people that might be intended by that inverted comma. Who would they be today? The social outcast, the person who's obviously made a mess of their life because of all the wrong decisions that they've made. Why would Jesus call these people? And why, in fact, would they follow him? Well, Jesus is all about calling people to follow him. We see this because of the repetition of ideas in chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. And here in chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, we see there that he called the disciples, uh, Simon and Andrew in verse 16, and then James and John in verse 19, and here, Levi. In, in chapter 1, verse 16, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he calls Simon and Andrew to follow him. And here in verse 13, we read, once again, he's by the lake or the sea. That is, again, the Sea of Galilee. And he calls Levi. And before Jesus calls anyone, notice what he's doing in both, in both scenes, in both episodes. In verse 15 and verse 13, he's teaching. Jesus is all about calling people. And his call is authoritative. In verse 17, we see that he says, and here in verse 14, follow me. It's an imperative, it's a command, something that must be done. Jesus doesn't say to Levi, please will you maybe think about following me at some point when it suits you. Of course, his call begs the question, why should we listen? Why does Jesus get to speak with authority in this way? What authority does he even have? Well, he's the king of God's kingdom. And he calls us to himself. His call is personal. See, after Jesus had taught the crowds, he was walking along and he saw Levi. Others passed him by, but Jesus saw him. In Mark's gospel, Jesus is constantly moving from one place to the next. But he stops, and when he stops, he always stops for 
the individual, for that one person. He cares for them. He cares for you. He sees you in the crowd. He knows you and notices you. Even if it feels like others have written you off, he sees you. His call is to follow him. We see Levi got up and he followed. It's a picture of Levi giving up his livelihood. Of course, it was an underhanded but pretty good job. He was a wealthy man. But Jesus calls people as they are to have their whole life reorientated around him and his kingdom and his agenda. Notice in chapter 1, verse 17, if you flip back there, that he says to those that he called <clears throat> that he will send them out to fish for people. Jesus calls people to be reorientated around him. And this is quite odd, because if you're going to start a movement or if you're going to start a business or a club or anything else, really, you, you want to have people who are on board with you. Presumably, you're going to call and look for people who have the same values as you. You know, core values, mission statement, all that kind of thing that we want to have be aligned in. And Jesus is the king of God's kingdom. Wouldn't he want to call people who you would assume would be on board with an agenda like that? Maybe some important people. Maybe you need some bank owners or those who've been knighted. Maybe some lecturers in Jewish ethics. Instead, he calls the unimportant, the unimpressive. And those who know themselves as well as who others know that they shouldn't be in God's kingdom. They're sinful. Again, perhaps you're here this evening and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. I'm really glad that you are here because this is the right place to be. From what we see here of Jesus, this is the right place to be. Maybe you're just looking into Christian things. Well, please do come back because over the next number of weeks, we're going to be continuing in Mark's gospel and finding out more about who Jesus is. But maybe you're here because of a friend or a family member or because you've been going to Christianity Explored recently. Well, this passage gives us a great summary of what Mark has been saying about Jesus. So if we're going to understand the Christian faith, we need to understand that it's all about Jesus, not a philosophical idea, not a better way of life, not someone who's a crutch to help you. It's about him. And who he is, well, Mark shows us that he is none other than God himself. He's come into this world and he's come to bring his kingdom and he's calling people to follow him to be with him. And he wants us to be reorientated around him. You might be here and you feel like no one sees you. No one notices you. And maybe even you slipped in this evening hoping that no one would notice you. Because you feel like you don't belong here. 
you might feel even that many people do know you here. You might feel like you're well-loved and well-known. But maybe they don't actually know what's going on in your life or in your heart. You might feel like you don't belong here or you don't really want to be here, whether you're a Christian or not. It might be because you've failed those whom you love this last week in ways that you shouldn't have. Or maybe you've made choices in your life that's just pushed people so far away from you that you wonder how you're ever going to repair those relationships. Maybe you've made decisions this week for your own comfort or your own convenience or your own pleasure. And you just lived thinking about yourself. Jesus knows. He sees you in this crowd. And he calls you as you are. But he doesn't leave you as you are. See, Levi left being a tax collector to follow Jesus. Levi, who we find out in Matthew chapter 10, is Matthew, one of the disciples who wrote Matthew's gospel. Matthew was a changed man after he met Jesus. As Christians, and as we see our Lord in action here, we need to ask ourselves, and one of the questions that comes to us is whether we, whether we have the same heart as our Lord or not. Do we have the same heart for people like Levi? Do we see, are we willing to see those who are on the edge of society, the outcasts, the unknown, those who are obviously sinful? Notice that they were with Jesus. Do you see that? When they're in Levi's house, they are with him and those there eating the meal. Are we willing to be with people like this? Or if they would come in here, would we wonder why they're here? Or why wonder if maybe we've stepped into the wrong place? So why did Levi follow Jesus? Why should anyone follow Jesus, in fact? Well, the answer has to do with what Jesus was teaching. Notice in chapter 1, verse 15, and 2, verse 13, that Jesus was teaching. He was proclaiming a message before he called these people. And as we've just touched on, the message that he taught is that he has the authority of God's king. But specifically, it's an authority to forgive sin, to heal us from sin. That's why Jesus says in, in verse 17 that it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not called to come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so I want us to see, secondly, that Jesus heals the sin sick to be with him. Jesus heals the sin sick to be with him. In verse 15, at the dinner party, Levi and um, his disciples and many tax collectors and sinners were with Jesus. They obviously wanted to be around him. And he wanted to be around them. What was going on? 
What was going on? Why were they there? Well, we'll only understand what's happening in verse 15 if we understand that Jesus has God's authority and he uses it compassionately to forgive sin so that people will be with him. Jesus is the son of God. He's the king of God's kingdom. And his message is in line with what John the Baptist said in chapter 1, verse 4. Flip back there and have a look, what John the Baptist was teaching. He was calling people to repentance for the forgiveness of sins. This is the context in which Jesus brings his whole ministry. He has come as the one to bring the forgiveness of sins. And so before Jesus called Levi and Simon and Andrew and James and John, he was teaching that he was the one who had come to establish God's kingdom. And he would do it by forgiving people of their sin. If they turned to him, that's what the word repentance means, if they turned and had their whole lives centered around him. Only God can forgive sins. The Pharisees pointed this out in chapter 2, verse 5 and 7. A paralyzed man was brought to Jesus, and he was laid in front of him to heal him. Word had gotten out that Jesus could heal. And so this paralyzed man is brought to Jesus. And the first thing that Jesus does is he says, your sins are forgiven. It shocked everyone who was there. And the Pharisees in that situation rightly point out, only God can forgive sins. Who is Jesus to do this? Well, he is God himself. You see, he uses God's authority to heal this man of his paralysis. And then he tells him, or he tells him to get up and walk. And it's proof that he is able to forgive sin. And the scene with the paralyzed man, it brings together two ideas that are running concurrently throughout Mark chapter 1 and 2. That Jesus has all of God's authority to heal people of their sicknesses. We see that with a paralyzed man. We see that with a demon-possessed man. We see that with many others who are sick. But he also has all of God's authority to forgive sin and bring people into God's kingdom. Jesus' miracles not only show us that he can heal us, that he can forgive us, but that he can heal us from what makes us unclean. In chapter 1, verse 26, Jesus drives out an impure or an unclean spirit. And in one, chapter 1, verse 42, he heals a man of leprosy and he makes him clean. And to be unclean in the Old Testament was to be the social outcast. It was serious because if you were unclean, you were outside of God's community, outside of his people, separated from him. Ultimately, we're meant to see that it's our sin that makes us unclean. And Jesus' healing miracles show us that he came to heal us from our sin and forgive us so that we could be cleansed, so that we would be in fellowship with him. That is what the party at Levi's house represents. People who have found forgiveness in Jesus and who are now with him. 
And Jesus has authority to heal us from sin, and he uses that out of compassion. He does it out of compassion. In, in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, the leprous man said to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus replied to him saying, I am willing. I am willing. Jesus is willing to heal us of our sin, to bring us into fellowship with himself. Let me remind us of those words from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 that I read earlier. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Her sin has been paid for. In the morning services, Pete has been showing us from Isaiah, and particularly when we're in Isaiah chapter 40, that God was going to come to his people. And when he came, it wouldn't be with a harsh word, a telling off or a rebuke, but gently and tenderly and with a word of comfort. Her sin has been paid for. It's with the word of forgiveness. Jesus is the Lord himself who has come. He is the ultimate doctor. He can heal us from any disease, but especially he came to heal us from our sin so that we would be forgiven by him. And he does this so that we can be in relationship with him. This is how he is growing his kingdom. The Pharisees had misunderstood the kind of king that Jesus is. They'd misunderstood what God's kingdom was about. And if this is who Jesus is, of course sinners would follow him if he compassionately forgives people so that they would be in God's kingdom. At Jesus' question in verse 17, sorry, his statement in verse 17, it it leaves us asking ourselves if we think we need him or not. You see, his reply to the Pharisees in verse 17 put them under his assessment. If Jesus has come to heal people from sin, to forgive them, and we think that we're basically okay, and we don't need him, and we don't need to follow him, then can we assume that we're in God's kingdom? The catch-22 is that if you think that way, if you think the way of the Pharisees, then ironically, your life is not orientated around Jesus. And so your life is not orientated around God and his kingdom, no matter how good or impressive or socially acceptable you appear to be. We are apart from God and apart from his kingdom if we think we're good too good for Jesus. My son, he recently had a fever and checked him in the morning and he had a rash all down his arms and his back. And, you know, I did what any parent, sensible parent would do. I got my phone out and started Googling what was wrong with him. And later that morning, we were sitting in the, in the waiting room in the doctors, uh, at the doctor's and I asked him if I could look at his arms again. And he said, okay, yeah. And he lifted up his sleeves, and it didn't look as bad as what it was earlier that day. And he said, yeah, Dad, they were actually a bit itchy, so I was scratching them. You see, because I had wrongly diagnosed what was, wrong, what was going on, 
it caused me to be in a situation where I had to reevaluate why we were sitting in that waiting room at all. And just as I'm not good at diagnosing illness, we can also not diagnose what our real problem is. Or we do it really badly. And because of that, we wrongly assess Jesus and whether we think we need him or not. You see, you might be like Levi and the many others in this passage and know that there is something that you need. You know that you do need forgiveness from God and from others. You know that you are far off from him. Well, you can come to him. You can and you should come to him because he's able to heal you. Not just of sickness, but of sin. Jesus has come so that we would be forgiven by him. So that we would be with him. And that's the offer that he makes for following him. It's about being in relationship with him. Who is God. And in his kingdom. Jesus is not only able to forgive us, but also to restore us. He restores you to fellowship with himself and with others. Do you see that picture in, Luke, in Mark chapter 2 there? See, because of sin in your life, you might well be far away from others. You might have made a mess of things, but if you come to him, he will cleanse you and he will give you a new start so that you will find a new family and he will enable you to restore relationship with others. And even if you've drifted from him, you can still come to him. We're only, those of us who are Christians here, we're only Christians because we know we need forgiveness. Following Jesus means coming to him for forgiveness and cleansing, not just once, but in an ongoing way. If we know this about ourselves, then we won't be surprised by who comes through those doors on a Sunday or any other time in the week. Because the extent to which we think someone should be here or not, it reveals how much we think we need Jesus or not for ourselves. We also need to see that he calls us and forgives us so that we would be with him. How often do we as Christians make serving Jesus and his agenda the main thing? Now don't get me wrong, Jesus does call us to serve him. But have a look at what we see in this passage. In Mark chapter 1, the contrast is that he calls the disciples and tells them that they will be fishers of men. But here he is with them. And Levi and his, there's just a bunch of other people there. Presumably, he've also come to find forgiveness in Jesus. How do they get there? Well, as Levi himself experienced Christ's forgiveness, well, surely he told others about it. Surely he went and told his friends so that they could find out that, or they could have forgiveness in Jesus too. Let me offer a caution, and I'm going to draw to a close. The Pharisees are not the disciples. Let me make that clear from this passage. The Pharisees are not the disciples. 
the, the Pharisees are Jesus' opponents, and they're a warning of how someone should not respond to Jesus. You see, if someone comes to a passage like this and they think, well, yeah, you know, I see who Jesus calls, and I'm not like that. I'm basically sorted. I don't need Jesus. Thank you very much. That is the wrong response. We need to see that we do need him. Because all of us are affected by the sickness of sin and outside of his kingdom. As Christians, though we can sometimes begin to think like the Pharisees, and we need to correct ourselves and help one another with an attitude of not welcoming others in who we think maybe don't need to be here. And we set up our own standards. And it's very easy to do that, isn't it? In our groups, we can come up with our own standards for why someone should be here or not. And if we think that way, and if we're driven by that line of thinking, despite being in church, we might find that we're actually someone who doesn't follow Jesus. And that because we think that we're fine without him. But even if we find ourselves thinking that way as his people, we can still come to him and still find forgiveness in him. Because you see, he, he supremely died for us. This is what the table represents for us tonight. We have the forgiveness of sins because he died on the cross so that we could come to him and we could be forgiven by him. Not just a man, but the king, our God himself. He died in our place so that we could be cleansed and so that we could be with him and know him. And so will you come this evening? Will you come to the table trusting in Christ's death for you, trusting in the forgiveness you have in him?